Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My co-host, Bruce Aldrich, is on vacation this week, so he'll be, he'll be back with us next week. But um, today we have a topic uh, I've never we've never covered before on our podcast. We've covered a lot of things, authors and car owners and um, all kinds of different things, analysts and so on and so forth. But today we have on as a guest uh, Jonathan Pierce. And Jonathan, I'm going to have you... Um, introduce yourself and your title, so uh, forgive me for, for not knowing quite how to say it, but uh, first of all, welcome to our podcast. Uh, thanks for being available. We're going to zap your expertise today in the, the world of uh, car audio, so thank you for being our guest, and, and if you could tell me um, your title, sir. Sure, sure. Well, thanks, James. Thanks for having me on. Sure. I'm excited for this. Uh, so my title officially is Senior Manager of Global Experiential R&D for Car Audio at Harman, and that's certainly a mouthful, and it is a challenge to sit on a business card, but you could say that my team is in charge of our uh, car audio or sound quality research and development team globally. Thank you. You know, I, I, I've been re, uh, reviewing cars for about 15 years, and it, it ties into your world in about 15 seconds. And if I get a new car <laughs> or a truck or um, so on and so forth, uh, I have three kind of three groups of friends. One one fellow who's a private pilot will always say, you know, oh, is the car naturally aspirated? And another guy will say, you know, yeah. what is the performance? What's the zero, zero to 60 time? And another right. friend who's not really a car guy, he'll always ask, what kind of sound system does it have? Because he's, a, he's very much into music and he, he knows everything about, um, you know, the history of rock and roll and this and that. And he's very much into, yeah. into music. So he'll ask right away about the, the quality of the sound system and, and whatever the, if it's a high-end course, a car, of course, many of them have, you know, quality systems. So that brings you to the forefront. And it's, it's very important for people who particularly drive long distances and, and are into music or talk radio, whatever it might be. Maybe we take for granted sometimes the sound system yeah. or the lack of a sound system. So maybe that's a good launching point to tell me about exactly, you know, what you and your team do. Sure, sure. Um, well, maybe to put it in context of just kind of my background, sure. and how I even got into this industry. Yes. I can tell you, in, in high school, I didn't set out to be in car audio for 17 years, but uh, I'm certainly still here, and yes. there's a reason for that. Um, so I'll, I guess I would go ahead and say that I've always loved music more than probably any human being should. <laughs> I've always been the soundtrack to my yeah. life. Look at uh, your friend there that you mentioned, who it's just a passion for me, and all my best and worst moments probably have some song attached to them, right, somehow. Sure. And I knew in high school that, you know, hey, I either wanted to be creating music or somehow on the music reproduction side. I just didn't really know all the options available to me growing up in a small town in Indiana. And um, I went to school uh, at, at Ball State University for two years and got into the recording program there. And honestly, I left that program because they wanted me to be in, in the band, uh, like the uh, marching band. Yes. <laughs> and you know, as a 19-year-old kid, that didn't sound like a lot of fun to me. And you know, now as an adult, I probably just should have stuck with it. Uh, but then I ended up going to a school uh, at, a, at a university in Orlando, Florida called Full Sail. And I continued my education there and specifically focused on recording arts technology. So being behind the glass, right, um, being you know, with the bands, recording that music. And honestly, I felt that that was the only way I could really satisfy my love of music and, and my desire to bring that passion to to the audience, right, to the consumer, if you mm -hmm. will. 
And again, I never thought of car audio, right, as being something that would be important when you talk about that, that ecosystem. Uh, but I got back to Indiana and I was looking for jobs. And well, lo and behold, studio jobs are pretty pretty hard to find. So I couldn't just, you know, call up New York and say, hey, I'm showing up tomorrow and give me a job. Yeah. I was an unpaid internship. So yes. uh, the bills start coming in. <laughs> yes. I need to get paid. And uh, I found this this engineering and R&D facility called Harmon in southern Indiana at the time in a, in a small town called Martinsville. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I applied, I showed up, and I got hired on the spot. And again, 17 years later, I'm still here. And the, the reason really being is, and this goes back to what I was saying about the ability to influence people or to share my love of music on an equal plane with everybody. Mm-hmm. When you think about how people listen to music, um, it's either headphones uh, it's mostly cars these days. I think there's a lot of studies that would back up that people are listening to music in their cars more than really anywhere else. Yes. Um, and, the, and the home playback system has kind of shifted a little bit, right? I mean, people aren't buying luxury loudspeakers the way that you know, we'd like them to, for sure. Uh, it's more portability and convenience, Bluetooth speakers and things like that. And you know, while the portability and convenience are nice, it does come at a cost from a sound quality perspective, right? People are kind of losing that stereophonic, sitting in the sweet spot type of experience. And also the DIY aspect, right, of buying uh, the receiver and the amplifiers and hooking everything up. And I think just being closer, right, to your music in that way. So the car really, I mean, I realized this, that the car is becoming really that place where we can preserve the artist in it, um, with the most opportunity. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, cars coming out today have 20, 30, 36 speakers in them. Yes. How many people have any speakers in their home? No. But, but now you have that in, in your car, and your car is now becoming, I think, again, your mobile living room and really the one place where you can enjoy audio-centric entertainment, right? When you're just listening to music, you're just listening to a podcast. Yes. You don't have a lot of other, other options right now when you're driving cars, obviously, because you need to focus on the road and not crash. So video tends to go out the window, and you're just listening to, to your favorite music or your podcast. And that's just something that, that, that James and I embraced. You know, I yes. If I want to really share my passion right, with, with the consumer and with my friends and with the world, essentially, car audio provides that, that most, uh, I think, the most opportunity to do that. So sure. that's kind of really why I'm, I'm, I'm still here. And I've seen the industry I mean, grow leaps and bounds just in the 17 years I've been there. And there are certainly, you know, decades prior to that, uh, that I've talked to kind of uh, the forefathers of this industry about and how far it's really come, you know, since probably you started driving cars, James. And, and today, is, is, I think we'd all agree, is, is pretty tremendous. Sure. Now, uh, just for, um, for kind of not full disclosure might be the wrong term, but just Harmon and Harmon Carden are are connected. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so Harmon uh, is the umbrella company. Yes. Uh, Harmon is actually owned by Samsung now, so many people may not know that. Yes. Uh, but, but yeah, Harmon has a suite of many brands, and Harmon Carden being one of them. Uh, a few others that your listeners may recognize would be uh, Bang & Olufsen or, or B&O, which yes. is a lifestyle spinoff of Bang & Olufsen, uh, Mark Levinson, uh, Rebel, and certainly JBL. JBL seems to be a brand that many people seem to recognize as well. Okay. Now, uh, what differentiates uh, your, your, your co-workers, your colleague, your marketing team has provided some really good questions, and I'll start with a few of those, and, mm-hmm. and I have some that, that are you know, probably coming from a, a, a layperson's point of view, so I hope you'll forgive me for that, but um, your, yeah. your, your team there has, has um, number one, is they, they said, what, explain the differences between a premium brand audio system from a factory system. How, do, how can you tell when it's really worth the extra money? So that's a great question. So I'll throw it out there. Uh, help me with that one. You've got a Mark Levinson. Sure. You've got a B&O system. Or you've got the one that came with uh, the car that um, you know doesn't have that quality. What, what, 
What does it mean for someone who's going to spend the, I'm going to make up a number, maybe it's accurate, a three, three grand or a $3,500 sound mm -hmm. system extra as an option to their, to their vehicle? Is, is it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sure, sure. Um, so let's think about a standard audio system uh, in most cases, and we'll use like a mid-sized car as just an example here. So yes. um, if you go to the lot and you don't check all the boxes, right, and, mm -hmm. and the, the base system is, is good enough for you, what you're probably going to get is four to six speakers. Um, yes. Those speakers are going to be asked to do a, a lot by themselves. Um, there's not going to be a lot of uh, amplifier processing power. So what we say is we call this DSP or digital signal processing, right? And yes. That would be kind of the, the magic or the flavoring that lives in the amplifier of the car that actually EQs each individual speaker in that vehicle and sets delay times and surround sound and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, you're going to have a um, limited number of speakers. Um, which, you know, again, you're going to hear the, the beat and the melody of your music. It's just not going to be as exciting or as visceral uh, as if you had some more speakers and, and some more technology behind that. Um, I think the biggest difference, though, James, is the customization of it. And this is something, again, getting into car audio, I wasn't aware happened. I just hopped into uh, any car. I looked at the badge, you know, that was on, on the speaker and thought, okay, so it's all about the speaker, right? Yes. It's all, it's all about maybe the, the hardware, right? That's where all the magic of car audio comes from. And, and the company who develops the best speaker is the one who wins. And I quickly found out that that's just one piece of the pie. Yes. Um, we certainly want to have excellent transducer engineers, guys making great speakers, right? We mm -hmm. certainly want to have great hardware engineers and software engineers, uh, the people basically developing the brain of the system. But there's also a group of guys, uh, and they used to be called systems engineers, and now we call them acoustic engineers, which is you know, pretty, pretty obvious. <laughs> yes. Um, they, they actually apply the human touch. And so they take all these components uh, from, our, from our engineering teams, and they negotiate time in the vehicle while the vehicle is in prototype phase, right, with our customers. And they physically travel to the plants. And, you know, that could be in Korea, it could be in Japan, it could, could be obviously in Europe and North America, anywhere. Mm -hmm. And they're going to spend two, a week or two weeks sitting in that car uh, per build phase, and they're going to tune the system. And, and what I mean by tune is they are going to sit in, in all the seats in the car with a the laptop. They're going to plug in their laptop to the amplifier, the brain of the system. And they're going to tailor the sound quality of each one of those seats uh, specific to that location, specific to how long it takes for those speakers to arrive at the ears of the occupants. So that's setting delay times. Uh, equal, equalizing each individual speaker to be you know, neutral or flat or basically um, you know, consistent with the other speakers that are within the system. And that's not something you typically get in a standard system, right? Yes. Um, I know that they attempt to do what they can, right, with, with limited resources regarding the amplifier and, and any sort of software power. Um, but this is, again, like going from, I don't know, uh, I don't want to pick on any car manufacturer here. We'll just say like a Pinto to a Ferrari. How about that? Okay. Um, Fair enough. There's just a lot. Yeah, just a lot more things that we can do on the branded side because, again, those amplifiers house a lot of software technology. And that human touch, that, that person who goes and actually customizes the sound for that specific seating location is something that, again, you're not going to get in a standard audio system um, to that degree as you would in a branded audio system. Yes. And I think you know, one more thing to add to that would be if you buy you know, $10,000 of audio equipment for your living room, you're probably not going to have someone who's going to come and actually customize your room, build it out, tune the audio system. But when you buy a branded audio system, you, you get that. You get that customization to it, like that tailoring. And I would say that's probably the one thing I want people to know is there has been a human being sitting in that car yeah. uh, for weeks on end who is basically orchestrating all these speakers to come together. And, you know, one example I would give of that is, is how we time align the bass in a car. Um, so 
people don't really think about this. You have speakers that are all around you, but they're all different distances as well, right? Yes. And in a car, you don't sit in the sweet spot. You don't sit in the middle of the car. So all the speakers arrive at different times at your ears. Yes. So I hadn't thought about that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. measure in milliseconds, right, how long it takes for the sound to leave these speakers and arrive at your ears. And they're going to apply what we call delay time to certain speakers to say, hey, you know, hold up front woofer. That, that your sub is really far away in the back of the car, and it's going to take longer to get to my ears. So I'm going to tell you to go ahead and hit the pause button and wait till it gets close enough to my head to where we can all release at the same time and be what we call phase coherent. And, again, that's kind of getting a little nerdy for you, but that's an example of what these guys actually have to do when they hop into these vehicles. That's good. Now, it, it transitions into a kind of a, a little personal story here is that um, – with the, I guess maybe the last 15 years, I'm guessing on the time frame, with the increased number of people who have um, Sirius XM and more channels mm -hmm. available to them, uh, yeah. I've recently discovered, you know, if I drive a long distance, and maybe other people, I'm sure, the same way, you know, you have certain things you like. You might, if, you're, if you have your cup of coffee and you want to be a rock and roll guy and you crank up the rock and roll, maybe you're singing along with it. If you're a classical yeah. guy, you do this. If you're a talk show person, maybe you want to catch NPR, whatever it might be. Lately, I've discovered um, a, a station on uh, XM Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 68. And um, my wife has recently take, taken up piano. And so I've had this new discovery of just how beautiful, not, you know, she's young in her uh, piano lesson career, but it, it, it reintroduced some of those, the, the way that the piano sounds. So I've discovered... Yeah. Uh, this channel called 68, which is Spa, and it has these, you know, beautifully uh, melodic, uh, many times piano um, songs. Sometimes it's ambient music, and I've, I've discovered in this crazy world in which we're living that if i driving long distance and I'm in a car that I'm testing that's a quiet car, and I turn up the volume on some Spa music and it's ambient, or it's just, and I, I really learned to appreciate how that sound is coming through when it's you know, a piano and, and maybe a, a bass guitar in the background or maybe uh, some synthetics in there, whatever that may be. But it's just, yeah. I've discovered a whole new kind of music that I've really learned to appreciate uh, on this Channel 68. That's a long-winded introduction into my question is that with the influx of people listening to Ster uh, XM Radio, Ster uh, Sirius XM, has that made the sound system world even further uh, important? Oh, I, I believe so. I mean, think about how more accessible music is today. Yes. You know, like, I mean, you and I probably recall a time where you had to actually drive to a brick-and-mortar store and actually purchase CDs. You know? Yes, yes. Um, the artist would release their favorite song, you know, a month uh, before the album release on the radio. Yes. Just to get you excited about it. And you had to wait 30 darn days to go and actually get <laughs> right. the song. And so, you know, here we are in our tape decks trying to record it on our little boom boxes in our living rooms or whatever just so I could replay it over and over and over again. But there was still always something of owning the CD and the sound quality of the CD, right? I mean, being so much better uh, than listening to it uh, on the radio. Um, but yeah, sound today is so much more accessible with applications like, you know, obviously Apple Music and Spotify. So, um, it, it's, it's a pretty competitive space, right? And yes. each one of these uh, streaming services are trying to differentiate themselves by offering various services. Uh, a streaming service that I just mentioned called Tidal actually does that by offering CD quality streaming. Wow. And many of the people in your audience probably don't know this, but, you know, with the convenience, again, comes at a cost. Um, you know, broadcasting over-the-air CD quality requires a lot of data to do that. So many of these streaming systems, what they do is they employ what's called digital uh, compression. 
And that's just essentially throwing away bits of the music that they feel aren't really important, you know, to you and, and able to deliver the things that they do deem to be important, like the vocals and maybe some of the, the richness of the bass, if you will. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think artists, when they go into the studio, the way that they hear it in the studio is, is very special to them. And they put a lot of time and money into that. And, you know, having been in a couple of studios myself and being able to hear some of what they're, they're listening to, it's truly magical. I mean, sometimes brings you to tears magical, right? Like you were describing the piano that your wife is playing. Yes. And, and it's such you know, and then the responsibility really is on a company like like Harmon to take that that art essentially that they created and not mess it up, <laughs> and then recreate it as faithfully as hopefully they heard it in the studio. Which we know there'll never be a one to one you know copy of that sure. because just the physical uh, room itself is, is different compared to say a car or a living room. But it's a really kind of a weird responsibility that we have, right? To to take this art that they created and then recreate it, you know, like, like color by number almost, and sure. then pass that on to their audience and. There's not a lot of other artistic mediums, I think, that operate in that way. Uh, if I write a, a book, uh, you can you can kind of get my story word for word, or if I sculpt something, you can go to a museum and see it, right? Uh, yes. Without any sort of like rose-colored glasses on. Um, with music, there we rely on third parties. We rely on people to recreate right that music that they did in the studio, and again, faithfully recreate that in other environments. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the, to answer your question, just the way that music is being consumed has changed. And yes. there's a lot of music out there to be listened to. I would say just, you know, there's some awareness about what streaming platforms are causing more compression and which ones are more CD quality. The name again of the, of the service you just mentioned that people probably, I, I, not, I had not heard of it. What is it called again, please? Yeah, Tidal. It's uh, a T-I-D-A-L. Okay, great. And it, it works just like a Spotify or Apple Music. You just download it. They probably give you a free trial. Um, you know, but Spotify and Apple also, it, it's pretty good sound quality. Um, many people don't know when they go into those applications. There are some options to increase the sound quality to, to various settings. Um, and also even an equalizer in some cases. So you could even boost the bass, the mid-range, or the treble, depending on your preference. Gotcha. Now, on a personal note, uh, since you're the expert and... You are a music person, uh, and as you introduced yourself, you said, you know, you, uh, music is, uh, just means a great deal to you um, in your career and personal life and so forth. Um, share some secrets. So if you're going to um, test a system on, on any level, give us some favorites that you might, uh, songs or albums or that you might listen to. It could be any, you know, any genre. It could be, you know, Pink Floyd to... Uh, you know, Rogers and Hammerstein. So what, what are some of your favorites, if you if you care to share? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so let's start with what I would listen for. Um, yes. This is just four categories. I don't want to, you know, drill down into like 60 different subcategories. And <laughs> okay, fair enough, four yeah. Things I would tell, <laughs> there's yeah. four things I would tell people to listen for when they hop into a, an audio system. And, and the first one is the spectral balance. And, and that sounds kind of scary, but what I really mean is the balance of the bass, the mid-range, and the treble. Yes. Um, I talked about the engineers who tune these systems, right, who calibrate these systems to essentially create the Harman Kardon sound, maybe all sound, or... Mark Levinson sound, if you will. Um, and they do that with all the tone controls and fade and balance at detent or default, so at zero, essentially. Uh, but we know that listeners need to have uh, the, the control, right, to go in and tailor the music to their preference. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I would tell people, you know, start with everything at zero and, and put in a track and think about the balance of the bass and the treble, right? Is, mm -hmm. is the kick drum sufficient for you? Is the bass guitar present enough or is it a bit diminished? Uh, moving into the mid-range, are the vocals clear to you? Can you hear all the percussive instruments like the drums? And then in the, in the treble, think about things like the cymbals or bells or triangles or 
anything that's like a higher pitched kind of instrument or the space around the music. And what I mean by space is kind of like the reflections. Yes. Uh, if you clap your hands in your closet versus your bathroom, there's a very different sound to that. And that's the reflections that, that your ears are picking up that are bouncing off various things. Um, and then again, just kind of massage those tone controls. So I try to figure out according to the music that you prefer and maybe the mood that you're in that day, kind of, uh, you know, what, what you prefer there. Um, uh, a, a track I like for that is, is an artist called Chris Jones and the song called No Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. I've often heard a lot of live sound engineers utilize this song as well when they're testing kind of the, the big live subs and the big uh, speaker arrays at live venues because it kicks out a lot of low bass and a ton. Mm-hmm. It's a very bass-heavy track to begin with. It's kind of a, a folksy Americana almost type of song. Gotcha. I'm, I'm saying that correct and someone's not listening right now saying that's not Americana. <laughs> I guess that's kind of what I would use to describe it and uh, you know, just acoustic instruments. It's got an electric bass guitar there, some acoustic guitars, uh, traditional male vocal, maybe a bit deeper than usual, um, but also not overly complex. Right? Yes. Um, I think a lot of music, especially pop music, is a lot of things going on at once. It's hard for people, I think, to focus on that. So starting with simple sounds, I, I would recommend first. Or music, again, that you're just very, very familiar with and you've heard on various sound systems. So you kind of have an idea of how the sound system itself can change the sound quality of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the spectral side of things. Uh, the next one would be the spatial side. So if spectral is kind of the beat and the melody, kind of how you hear the music, spatial is actually when you see your, the instruments and the artists in your music. And right now your listeners are saying, what, do we, what does he mean? That's, that's completely crazy that all of a sudden I can see the music. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm being truthful about this. Um, you mentioned your friends who talked about the audio system first and foremost about the cars. Yes. He probably spot, right? The quote unquote sweet spot. Where yes. you sit in between two speakers symmetrically. And by doing that, the sound waves of those speakers arrive at your ears at the same time. And what that does is it creates kind of what we call a phantom center. So even though there's only two speakers in front of you, you actually get a plethora of the instruments that are in that particular track in front of you, right? Spread, spread throughout the left and right speaker. So if you close your eyes, you could actually point to, say, the, the drummer or the guitar player or the piano or the singer. Even though they're obviously not physically there in the space with you, you can actually sonically pick those things up just by sitting in that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So that's what we mean by spatial is where's the vocal image located across your dashboard? Um, how wide is the stage? Uh, I just mentioned the dashboard in your car, and that's something I tell people. Consider that to be the performance stage. So everything should be lifted up, should be closer to eye level. Uh, you have you know, left pillar to right pillar or, say, driver side to passenger side. Throughout your entire dashboard, you should be able to look and see various instruments positioned across that dashboard. Wow. And then the, the, vocal, the vocalist should be somewhere, you know, maybe either over the wheel or just right of the wheel, right, if tuned correctly. So essentially what we're trying to do is, again, recreate what happened in the studio because that's what they do there between left and right speakers. They position those instruments in different locations. And the car is now the place where we can preserve that, you know, kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier with all that delay time and DSP stuff. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, surround sound comes in with, to, that, to play with that as well. I, uh, I have to say I'm, I'm making my I, – I think I'm fairly ignorant. I had no idea, maybe like a lot of people, that this was so vast and so important. This is – a it's pretty. It's pretty. I was going to say eye opening. It's pretty ear opening uh, for me to to soak all this oh, in. Sure, sure. So thank you for all that. Um, yeah. The I don't know. Go and go ahead. You said there, uh, there's two other areas or one other area. Yeah, yeah. I, I can quickly go to the other one. So yeah. the, the, the third dynamics. So uh-huh. this is the volume knob, right? And 
people often think, well, it just needs to play loud, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, we want all of our systems to be sufficiently loud enough, you know, to where you have the freedom to turn that up as loud as you want. But we've all had that experience, too, I think, when you turn up a car audio system and it starts to hurt, right? It physically irritates you, so we turn it back down. Yes. Um, and that could be because it's spectrally imbalanced. That goes back to that balance of bass, mid-range, and treble, uh, where our ears are just more sensitive to upper mid-range sounds. And mm-hmm. So maybe there's a bit of an exaggeration there in the speakers, so your ears are picking up on the higher levels. But the other thing is, you know, amplifiers, as they get louder, are going to inherently cause distortion. And our, our, our bodies can only physically accept so much distortion before it becomes harsh or bright or brittle to us as well. So mm-hmm. uh, dynamics is something where I tell people, of course, it needs to be loud. But a well-tuned system uh, with a good amplifier, you should be able to listen at pretty reasonably high volumes and not get that sense of harshness or that hurt, if you will, because we're, we're minimizing that amount of distortion. And, and the last one, James, which I tell people is so very important, you know, we're packing all of these these cars with, you know, a lot of speakers and amplifiers and DSP power and so on, and, and we're charging a lot of money for them. Um, the car itself, how we mate the speakers to the car, uh, you know, in sheet metal, behind plastic, wrapped with wiring harnesses, we're trying to minimize the integrity variables. So integrity is any of the mechanical nuisance stuff, right, the buzz, the squeak, the rattle, the stuff that, you know, go back to kind of like, you know, your high school days, the, the person who went to the flea market and bought the big sub with, all like the, with the big amplifier and yes. the crap out of their trunk. Um, that's kind of what we're trying to minimize, right, because we are trying to create more of that pristine um, room listening environment, if you will, in the car. And a lot of those buzzes, squeaks, and rattles, um, they certainly cheapen the experience, right? They make it sound more like a, a tin can unless, like, you know, again, like a studio or, or well-tuned room environment. So that's something that we need to work with our, our customers very closely on very early on when we start doing those tunings I was referring to, to identifying any of those nuisance variables and minimizing those. Now, if you're in a passenger car, uh, you know, every uh, the percentage of RVs and pickup trucks I think if you add those two areas of the automobile industry together, it's something like, I don't know, almost 70% of all sales are in those two areas. So you have SUVs, which generally are not as quiet as a luxury sedan. You have uh, a pickup truck. You have uh, the same situation there. Uh, A lot of people now are trying to get away from different parts of their life, and, and the increase in RV sales is, you know, through the roof. So when you guys do this, is it, does, is it a full spectrum of the automobile industry, passenger cars, um, RV industry? Do you go into those areas as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anywhere where, you know, obviously music can be enjoyed or sound can be of benefit to anyone, whether it's uh, safety, information, uh, we, want, we want to be there for that. And, you know, kind of getting beyond the music spectrum, you know, we... Uh, kind of like, I guess, a plug for the Cadillac Escalade with the AKG system. So we're, we're releasing that system later this year. We're really excited about it. But we're bringing navigation rendering to that. And, again, this isn't a music enhancement. This is simply, hey, I'm driving down the road, and I'm having a conversation with all my friends. And, whoops, I forgot to actually turn where I was supposed to because I was distracted a little bit. Yes. Um, now the navigation commands will actually come from where you're supposed to turn. So if you're coming up, you know, and you're supposed to turn left and say the next, you know, uh, half a mile, as you get closer to that destination – you're actually going to start hearing those prompts coming from the direction that you're actually supposed to turn the car. Um, so that's just something that's you know, adding you know, a better experience for you, not necessarily on the music side, but certainly as someone who's controlling that vehicle and needs to get from point A to point B. And I think this is where audio is providing more benefit, again, than just the beat and the melody, but also enhancing our lives in other ways. Gotcha. Um, these, are my, uh, these are my layperson questions coming up, so I apologize in advance. Oh, no, I love this <laughs> stuff, yeah. So... Um, 
whether it's me or anybody else through the years, if you're driving on a country road and it's a beautiful day and you have your, I'm just going to take a, um, you have a BMW convertible and you're, and you're shifting mm -hmm. gears, you still have a manual transmission and you're just having a great old time on this country road and the top is down and you love music. Uh, obviously with the top down, you're not going to, you maybe have some difficulty hearing because the outside yeah. noise is infiltrating the inside noise. Mm -hmm. Are there things that people can do when they have a convertible to make the music experience uh, any better for them with, uh, from your world? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned some things that are pretty tough to control, like, like wind noise, outside yes. noise. Um, you know, we're, we don't really have a way of canceling those sort of things out yet. I no. Mean, you know, check back in maybe 30, 40 years. And we'll sure, sure. Out. Sorry so about that. Sorry. Those, <laughs> yeah, canceling the higher frequencies, uh, it, it's a real challenge. Yes. Um, for, for reasons we won't get into on, on this discussion. But sure. We understand that that's a real real challenge. And when we work with automakers, and we'll use BMW as an example, actually, mm -hmm. um, they know that when you put that top down, a lot of extra noise comes in, and the big thing that's lost is the bass performance, right? Yes. Um, and that's because when you have the top on, the bass is contained within the vehicle, right? It's kind of like a pressure mode system, if you will, where the waves are going to stay contained within that system, and, and you're going to get all the benefits of that. Once the top goes off, a lot of those low frequencies are just gone, right? They fly out the car. Yes. Um, so we typically compensate for things like that in the tuning phase. So gotcha. we talked about someone going through the plant and working through all the tunings. Now, something they would do is create a top-down and a top-up EQ. So actually, when you pop the top off, the bass gets, gets amplified a little bit. So you're going to get a bass boost, if you will. And we might be able to do some things on the spatial side as far as... Um, uh, you know, trying to lock in some of those instruments on the front and dash because, again, those are, might, might get a little bit lost as well once the wind noise starts going everywhere. Okay. So we, we try to create EQs, specific EQs, for different challenging environments. And, again, something that, that many of your listeners probably aren't aware of is that we, we actually think about a lot of these things. And we're even thinking down the road about things, what happens when you roll your windows down or pop the sunroof or if your car is hot versus cold, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that can adversely affect sound quality. And these are things that we want to be taken care of in, in the background, right? So you don't have to worry about that as the consumer. Gotcha. Thank you. And the other one in, in, the, in the area of uh, naivete, if you will, is... You know, when you, when you look at the Moroni sticker of a vehicle and I'm, and I'm looking, or anybody, any consumer is looking at that and it has mm -hmm. these different options and, and you've a person's decided that um, they, they want a Mark Levinson sound system or a, a B&O or so forth. And it mm -hmm. says 18 speakers, 22 speakers, you know, 468 speakers. Is there, is there a point oh, where, yeah. where 30 isn't any better than 20 or 40 isn't any better than 30? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fair to ask that question, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I think from the outside looking in, people are probably saying, it's almost, almost like TVs, right? There's 4K, yes. then 8K, and like, where does it end? We start thinking, is there really a benefit to that? And, yes. Um, I would say, you know, if you walk outside and you walk into, say, a cave or you walk into the woods, those environments all have very different experiences to them, right? What you're hearing. And mm -hmm. uh, that's because we hear omnidirectionally as humans, right? We hear in a 360 sphere all around us. And yes. we're able to detect where those things are coming from. It kind of goes back to... You know, when we were hunter-gatherers, why we could detect a tiger coming out of the brush right from our, our, our right rear side, and we could, you know, turn around quickly and defend ourselves. So we're able to pick up all these directional cues, and that's actually something that musicians also utilize. And whether they record in a very lively environment, like, say, you know, a, a room with a lot of hard reflective surfaces like tile or, or wood, uh, or something that's a bit more absorptive, say, like a, a lounge maybe environment where it has cloth on the walls and maybe some felt on things. Those are different experiences, and 
artists choose to record in certain environments or apply certain effects, if you will, right in the studio that mm-hmm. puts you in a certain space. And by adding all these speakers into the car, we're able then to recreate those spaces as faithfully as possible. And you might be familiar with this, and maybe also your listeners, but the term 3D has become more popular in car audio, right? We're actually putting speakers up into the headliner now above the occupants in the car. And by doing that, we're essentially trying to transport the listener into the space in which the recording was taking place. It's not really meant to make everything sound like it's in a cave, right? And that's artificial. We're essentially utilizing those speakers to bring forth whatever that characteristic of the recording really was. And again, kind of going back to that artist's intent, right? Trying to understand how it was created and how they wanted it to be presented to their audience. So that's what all those speakers actually do. And, um, you know, I will say yes. Uh, having listened again, I'll go back to the AKG reference system, the Cadillac Escalade. There are 36 speakers in that system, uh, yes. including headrest speakers and headliner speakers. And I, I put in some jazz music I'm familiar with that has kind of a certain echo or delay property to it. I put in some very dry music I'm also familiar with, and it's remarkable how you can close your eyes. You just kind of feel like, wow, I feel like I'm actually there and that instrument is in front of me. Gotcha. And that's only possible by, I think, by adding those additional speakers. And so they're, they're in that there are speakers now in the, in the AKG system that in headliners and above. So the, I've never, maybe I had a vehicle that's tight, but now it comes to mind that why not speakers above you? I think if you're, if you're yeah. in a, if you're in a symphony hall, you might be in one side of the auditorium, might be below or higher. So it, and now it, now it's coming to make more sense to me. I get it. That's great. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a lot of real estate up there too. I mean, think about what else you're going to put up there. Why not put some speakers? Sure. Or or if you're in a uh, if you're in a some sort of bespoke uh, Rolls Royce, you get to put your constellation up there as well, right? They have all these filament bulbs. So, well. Um, this is a great place to probably, um, I could probably speak to you all day because now you've piqued my interest in all this. It's fantastic. Oh, sure. I'm going to be educated. Well, I'm happy to come back and we can do a second episode <laughs> sure. if you like. Sure, that'd be great. Um, I want to thank, uh, on behalf of my colleague, uh, Bruce Aldrich, who's not here today, I, I want to thank um, Jonathan Pierce. And I'm going to say this the correct way because I, I looked it up. Um, Jonathan is the Senior Manager of Global Experience. Experiment, uh, experiential R&D cardio, uh, car audio at Harman. What a title. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's obviously the expert about all this, and I'm, I'm so glad he's been able to join us today on uh, the Weekly Driver podcast. I, I feel like I've soaked up a bunch of just the touching the basics of, of the audio experience. So, um, Jonathan, thank you so much for being our guest, and um, we really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no problem, James. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye now.